We're glad you're here with us today on the Christian Ministries Church podcast. We pray God's word speaks to your heart today as Pastor Chapman Laxton shares the word with us. Uh, if, you're, if you're joining us for the first time, my name is Chapman Laxton. I'm the youth pastor here at Christian Ministries Church. Uh, and we've been doing, uh, for, for now a little while, uh, we've been doing a study on the faith heroes or the heroes of our faith that it talks about in Hebrews 11. And tonight we're going to be doing a study on uh, Joseph tonight. And so I don't, I'm, I'm, in setting that up, um, I want to give an emphasis to <clears throat> the unseen aspects of our faith because uh, while we're, when we study Joseph, there's so much um, to unpack with his story. There, there's a lot that's written about him. Um, and so we're not going to, we're not going to dive into everything just, just because of the, the sake of time. But I want to, I want to read a couple of passage scriptures here as I kind of set this up. You guys are kind of prepping for, uh, for us to kind of dive into Joseph's story. But Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Uh, it, it says, this is what the ancients were commended for. Um, and and the, the part of that that I really want to study on is that the ancients, it's talking about the heroes of our faith, were commended for this aspect. And the aspect they were commended for was their confidence in what they believed in. Okay, they were, co- they were commended because they had, a, they had a level of confidence in what they believed in. And, and you might go, well, confidence, okay, so they, so, so they needed that. Okay, that's great. Well, why did they need that confidence? Well, we jump a few verses down into verse 36 of Hebrews 11. And we read this, it says, Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us so that, not only, to, or so that only together with us would they be made perfect. You want to know why they needed confidence? Because they needed confidence for, for that faith life. I don't know how many of you, how many in here is going, oh yeah, how about that faith life? I'm signing up for all that stuff. That sounds great. Well, on the surface, without, unless we have that holy confidence, that holy understanding that, that without a, a, a confidence that, that God's going to come through for us, all that other stuff, mm, I'm, I'm checking out. I, I don't want, it takes a commitment to our faith to be able to, uh, to, to withstand the trials and tribulations that come in our life. And I love what Pastor Asher's been talking about because uh, on Sundays, because he's been talking about faith. And in that, one of the things that's been a reoccurring theme as he's, been, as he's been teaching us is, unless you understand and trust God to be faithful and to be good, you'll never see his faithfulness because you don't believe for him to be faithful. And so we have to have that holy confidence. And, and so it, it, that, that, that our faith then is broken into two pieces, in, in my opinion. The first, one, the first part is trust. Uh, in Philippians 1.6 says, God is faithful to finish the work that he started in us. We're going to see as we study Joseph that we're going to have to trust that God is going to finish what he started within us. Be- because without that, it can get easy to get caught up in what's going on in our, cir- in our circumstances. Um, we have to get that truth. We have to trust the process that God's using. Um, one of my favorite quotes um, is by a, a guy... Um, one of, the, one of the most successful coaches of all time in, uh, in basketball, 
Um, John Wooden has a quote that goes like this, and it says, things work out best for those who make the best of the way things turn out. I'm going to read that one more time. Things work out best for those who make the best of the way things turn out. The way we make the best of the way things turn out is not by living by sight. If we live by sight, then we'll get caught up on the circumstances, we'll get caught up on the situation, we'll get caught up on what we're against, and we will struggle because we're trying to live by sight. But we know that we've been called to live according to faith, and that's what 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, and this is the second part that I believe that our faith is, needs to be made up. It's the unseen. It's the hope. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we live by faith and not by sight. We hope then in our situations, we have a holy hope that things will turn out different than, than how we see them. And so I want us to kind of get these two aspects. This is a huge part as we study Joseph, that Joseph had trust and hope for the Lord to do what he said that he was going to do. He had trust and he had hope that God would bring him through the situations and circumstances that he faced. And I think this is a really good thing for us to see because what you're always going to have to understand about this is, is, is this. We will always have the option to go south with our circumstance. That's always on the table. You always have the choice to go south with your circumstance. You always have the option to go south with the way things are happening. So, um, but, but we have to see that we've been called to live with trust and with hope, and that brings us out of it. So then, as we dive into our faith here tonight and who Joseph is, I want us to keep in mind um, that faith is the substance that we need to overcome in our seasons of our trial. Um, so let's go ahead and let's talk about Joseph. Um, just, some, just some things to know about him. Uh, he was one of two sons that Jacob or Israel had with Rachel, okay? He, he was one. He was one of 11 that was born, or, or he was one of the 12 that was born um, to, uh, to Jacob. And he was born in uh, Padana Ram, is what the word says. Uh, at six years old, he, that's when the family traveled uh, to Canaan, um, and they lived there. Uh, and I'm, I'm kind of giving you a little time frames here because these are the things that we're going to hit tonight. Uh, at 17, he was sold into slavery. Um, he was sold as, to be as a slave in Egypt. Um, but at 28 years old, uh, and as some of you already know the story, you kind of are, are following along. I just want to kind of give parameters to this. At 28 years old uh, is whenever he interprets the dream for the Pharaoh's butler, or some of your word Bibles might say the cupbearer uh, and the baker. By 30, he's called out of prison, and he interprets the dreams for Pharaoh. Um, at 37 years old is when the famine starts in Egypt. And by 39, he's reconnected with his family, and all of them move to Egypt with him. Um, and it's by the time he turns 56 is whenever Jacob dies. Um, so then it's important then that we understand the, 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 the family line here. Jacob is his father. Isaac was his grandfather. And Abraham would have been his great-grandfather. Okay, so I just really like us having um, just that family line and that lineage as we're thinking about who was, who was given him the, the word? Who is teaching him? Well, it's these men of God that we've studied now. Um, we're kind of moving in here. So let's go ahead and we're going to read through Joseph's story. And again, like I said, we're going to be jumping around a little bit um, and focusing on some of the bigger pivotal moments of his life and his story. Um, and my hope is that as we go through this, you'll get a revelation about your own faith and situations that you face. So let's go ahead. Genesis 37, verse 2. It says, this is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the son of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah. 
some cool names, his father's wives, and he was brought there, uh, he brought their father a bad report about them. So they're out working, and he sees them doing something wrong, and he goes and basically tattletales, okay? Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he had made him an ornate robe for him, a coat of many colors, okay? And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. There's a really good lesson in here for for parents, all right? It's one thing to have a favorite child, you know, secretly in your own mind. It's another thing for you to literally put a target on your child's back and tell everyone, this is my favorite one. Um, and, and Jacob kind of struggles here. He didn't get any of Pastor Ashley's teaching on parenthood. Um, and he created a lot of turmoil in his house because of his, his inability to, to, to parent his kids right. And, and so it, it, just right there, it says none of his brothers could even speak a kind word to him because of the, the problem. So we already see some, some dynamic, some, some problems in this, in this home life. Um, but Genesis 37, we're going to jump down to verse 5. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bound down to it. And his brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Again. It's just another example of we've, we've already got some problems here. And, and, but Joseph takes it a step further by telling him, hey, guess what? Not only am I the favorite, but all you guys one day are going to be bowing down to me and I'm going to rule over you. Well, anybody in here who's had a sibling, uh, yeah, probably not. It's probably not going to happen. I'm not going to let that happen. Um, and, and, and this is just a good thing for us to know sometimes we need to learn to keep some things to ourselves you know we need to have a little bit of discrepancy sometimes and I get it God gave him this dream there's not a doubt in my mind God gave him this vision but sometimes we need to let God be shown to be true we're we're so sometimes in such a rush to to be the one to to have the have the vision that we want to give to somebody and and people aren't ready to hear that Joseph didn't have a relationship enough with his parents or with his brothers to hear that. And, uh, you know, he has another dream. And, it's, and this time, not only do the 11 stars bow down to him, but the sun and the moon bow down. And so he's basically saying, okay, not only you guys, but mom and dad are going to be bowing down and worshiping me. You know, and, and Jacob or, or Israel gets on him and is like, okay, is your mother and I, are we to, are we to really be the ones that, that bow down and worship you? And again, it says his brothers hated him even more, but his father kept it in his memory. And, and I want you guys to consider something. You know, it's just like what the, the word says in Matthew 7, verse 6. says, do not give dogs what is sacred, and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now, if you kind of know this story, you know what's getting ready to happen. But I, I want to bring an example to kind of help you get this around your mind. I think of another young man who was anointed to be, in, in, to be a ruler, which was, who was David. And David was anointed, right? And then where did David go in the moment that he got anointed? Just right back out into the field and went right to work. I never read a part where David ever says, hey, just remember, I'm supposed to be king. 
hey, just remember, I'm, I'm the king. Hey, just remember, I get it, I'm supposed to be king. So I wanted to share that as just, a, as just as a side example to kind of parallel this to sometimes we get things for us and they're for us for God to reveal to us. And we just got to be real careful with who we go around willingly sharing what God has given intended for us. You get what I'm saying? Because like that scripture said in Matthew 7, you know, you might go to share it with those hell angels bikers that, you know, y'all need to turn away and quit sinning and quit drinking and quit doing all that stuff. And unless God has given you that revelation to go talk to them, you might end up in the hospital. So we just have to be real careful with who we're sharing our, our visions with. So his brothers didn't like that very much. Didn't like that he was, he was kind of rubbing it in their face that he was going to be ruling over them. Um, and so we have some problems that come up. Genesis 37, verse 19. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Here he comes. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood, but still throw him in the cistern. Uh, so Reuben, Reuben had some good intentions here. Um, he, he, he had enough wisdom to see that we, we shouldn't murder our own flesh and blood, but let's, we'll still throw him in the hole, okay? And, and Reuben leaves him while, while the brothers are sitting there, and they've just thrown him into the hole. And, you know, it, I, I just, I always like to put myself in these positions. I just, you can imagine the wheels that are turning in their, in their minds. Okay, we've got our brother, we threw him in the hole. Oh, crud. Dad really, really loves him. Okay, how are we going to get, how are we supposed to get out of this? We need us to come up with a solution now. Because he's in the hole, we've got him there. Okay, we're letting him sweat it out down there. But how are we supposed to get out of this without getting in major trouble from dad? And along comes the, their solution, all right? Verse 25, it says, As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brother, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood, and his brothers agreed. Now what you have to understand is Reuben has left, and then he comes back and he sees that his brother's gone, and he's like, what have y'all done? Okay, well, Reuben's best intentions didn't exactly do anything. And, and it's just a good little side point here. You know, sometimes we have really good intentions. We, we didn't intend for something terrible to happen when we do. We, we, we had good intentions. So I'm going to teach him a lesson. We're going to go ahead and throw him in the hole. We're going to teach him a lesson. But it didn't come out. And so we've always got to understand that good intentions are never a good substitute for an adequate response. Um, and, and so his brothers sell uh, sell. Joseph for 20 shekels. And I looked up what the cost of that was. And 20 shekels is the equivalent in today's money of $200. So for 200 bucks, they got rid of a problem. Um, no, they, uh, they sold their brother for $200. And I, and I kind of put this little side thing here. Jesus was also sold. Jesus was also sold out for 30 shekels. And it's just kind of an interesting thing, a parallel there between Joseph and and, and Jesus, because Joseph goes on, as we go through the story, Joseph goes on to, to be, to be a, a savior in a lot of ways to, to the people. 
and Jesus was also clearly a savior to us. So I just thought that was a little side point. Um, so, so here we go. We, 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 he's sold into slavery. In chapter 39, um, we're, we're, we're here, and, and, and it says when the Ishmaelites got to Egypt, they sold Joseph to a man by the name of Potiphar. Okay, so now Joseph is in Potiphar's house, and he's working for Potiphar. And it says, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Now, um, what, you, what we're going to see a lot in this, in this whole thing is that, you, just like what we talked about at the beginning, you always have the option to go south with your circumstance. You always have that option. But what Joseph does here is he takes the responsibility that's given to him, he takes his situation, and he tries to make the most of it. He tries to, to, to make the best out of the way his situation turned out. You know, and, and, and all of us, we've all faced setbacks in our life. We've all faced things where we, boy, I sure didn't see myself whenever I came out to greet my brothers get sold into slavery. That wasn't my intent. That wasn't what I thought was going to happen. However, instead of going to a place of despair, instead of going to a place of, I don't know what, what's going to happen, Joseph, I'm just going, okay, I'm going I'm to make this, I'm going to make the best out of the situation. And it says that Potiphar made him in charge of the whole house because Joseph didn't let his situation put him in a place of despair. And I want to ask you a question. In your situation that you're going through, and I don't want to put anybody down, but I, I think this is a really good question to ask. Are you looking for a handout? Or are you looking for a handhold? Are you looking for a handout? Are you looking for somebody to help? I just need somebody just to give me something. Or are you looking for, okay, what can I do? And I think about it, and a handhold in, in, in mountain climbing is someplace where you can get a firm grip on, okay, I'm going to use this to pull myself back up. I'm going to use this to pull myself back up. Yep. Joseph didn't, what, didn't go in there, grow, oh, poor me, oh, oh, this happened to me. Don't get me wrong, he, I'm sure he had some internal conflict. But, but Joseph wasn't looking for a handout. Joseph was looking for a handhold. Okay, how can I make this? Because Joseph knew what God was doing, right? So everything uh, was left under Joseph's care, and uh, everything was going great, uh, but then a woman. Then a, then a woman came into the situation. Now, uh, let, let's read here. Um, verse uh, verse th uh, 6 in, in chapter 39. It says, So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care, and with Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. I want to stop there with just one second. My master does not concern himself with anything in the house because everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. Are you responsible with what the master has given you to be in charge over? Are you, are you, are you, the master doesn't worry about that because he knows I've got it. So important, so, so important, so important. With me in charge, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house except, or everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? I love how Joseph responds to this situation. 
Joseph says, how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against Potiphar? No, how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Joseph recognized that it wasn't Potiphar that put him in this position. Joseph recognized it wouldn't have been just a, it's not, it's not about Potiphar. It has nothing to do, the situation has nothing to do with about whether or not Potiphar says, come here or go. It has to do with God. And his response to her is, why would I do such a thing against God? And so she comes back, and we're not going to read this part of the story because if you've read this before, um, you, you understand that she doesn't leave him alone and she actually comes and tries to, to entrap him and make him uh, sleep with her. And Joseph flees. He gets up and he literally runs out of the house. And how wise to run away from sin. How wise to flee. Because you think about it, it, it we go on and we read here, uh, oh, well, well, we'll take just a second. Um, he, he flees from the sin. He flees from Potiphar's wife. And think about what would have happened had he stayed. Let's say he, she, they, they never, that they never slept together. But she still tells the same lie to Potiphar whenever he gets home. And it says that his anger, we'll read that here in a second, that his anger was burning out against him. Well, thank goodness that he had a little bit of time between from where Joseph ran to where Joseph was that his anger could cool down. Joseph might have been killed if he'd have stayed around. Whenever sin comes into your life, it's not enough just to reject it, flee from it. That's what I'm trying to get at. Don't stay in the same place as those opportunities to sin are. Flee from them. Because at least you won't be around whenever things start hitting the fan. Y'all get with me? So it goes on. Uh, in Genesis 39, 19, it says, When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. And it says, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Now, we skipped over this verse, but I want, and I want to share it with you. Um, so, Peyton, if you're in the back, if you can put this verse up. Proverbs 24, 16. Good scripture for us to have. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again, but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. Now, understand that we're going to face some setbacks here. We're going to face setbacks while we're on this earth. And Joseph faces another setback here. Not only was he put in slavery... And then worked his way up. Now he gets put into prison. But it says, for though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. And it says, but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. Another scripture says, but one disaster is enough to destroy the wicked. Why is one disaster enough to destroy the, the wicked? It goes to the principle of the cream will always rise to the top. The reason why the cream rises to the top is not because of luck. It's not because of coincidence, it's because of the consistency and what's made up inside the cream. The reason why Joseph couldn't be held down is because there was something on the inside of him that wouldn't let him. The reason why he was able to continue to rise to each occasion and every circumstance was because of what was within him. So when we read scripture that says the, power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is on the inside of you, the reason why you can rise in the situations and the circumstances that you face, even though they might be tough, even though it's a major setback, 
You thought being in slavery was tough. How about being in slavery and in prison? But Joseph doesn't let the situation move him. He doesn't go south with his situation. And instead, he stands up. So this is in prison. Now, and Joseph has been given God's favor. And once again, we see in verse uh, 22, Genesis 39, verse 22, it says, So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison. What? The warden had a prisoner come to him, and he said, Hey, you want to run the prison? You want to talk about favor, things that don't make sense? And it says, And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Listen, some people might give up because you think that God's not with you. What you have to see is in this story, God is for you. God's not against you. Oh, man, well, if this would have happened, this, something had to be going on with Joseph. No, it's just circumstance. Bad things happen. Bad things happen to good people. But we can't go south with our circumstances. We have to trust that God is going to finish out the work that he started in us. Oh, man, my God, Joseph can't catch a break. Joseph wasn't looking for a break. He wasn't looking for a handout. He wasn't looking for, well, God, if you'll just get, no, okay. I'm just going to work. I'm just going to work. I'm just going to work. And he knew that God was in him. God's not, he knew that God wasn't afraid of his situation. Oh, what am I going to do? Joseph's in prison now. My whole plan's ruined. No, God's got a plan. And so we have, while Joseph's in, in prison, <laughs> been made the, the head over the prison, two men, we're not going to read the entire story. I'm just going to kind of paraphrase here. Joseph meets a couple of men that are, that are in close, uh, have close uh, have, have had a, a relationship with the Pharaoh. And these men, are one is the butler, or you might read, your translation might say the cupbearer, but essentially he was like the head butler, okay? And then you have a baker. And both of them have these dreams. And, they, and, and Joseph's walking through one day, and he sees the, this butler. Why, why are you so sad? And, and so the butler says, well, I've had this dream, and I don't understand it. Well, Joseph interprets the dream, and it basically has a really good ending for the butler. He's going to be restored back to the Pharaoh, where he'd be working for the Pharaoh again. He'd be out of prison. And so the Pharaoh's like, oh, my gosh, it's so great. And, and, and Joseph tells him, now, just do me a favor. Whenever you get out, please tell the Pharaoh that I'm in here and, that, 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 and get me out too. So guy's like, okay, okay, okay. The butler's doesn't turn out, or the, the butler's turns out really good. The baker his story didn't turn out so good. Um, he gets to leave, but not, not walking out. Uh, he gets to leave in pieces. Uh, so, you know, we, we get in this place, and once again, Joseph's in, this, in the prison, and, and a lot of us might, might get to this place where we're going through, we're going through some stuff, and, and, and the people are trying to bring us their problems. And sometimes the thought can be, well, I already have enough problems of my own to deal with. Why do I need to be dealing with your problem? But that's not Joseph's mentality. Joseph's mentality is, I'm going to do what God's commanded me to do. And, and so the butler leaves, and he gets restored, and he doesn't tell Pharaoh about Joseph. <laughs> and Joseph stays in the prison for another two years. 
And finally, the Pharaoh has this dream, and it, and it dawns on the butler. Oh, yeah, Joseph, he's in the prison. Uh, hey, forgive me, but there's this guy that I know that can interpret dreams, and he's in your prison. So the Pharaoh calls him out, and, and, he, and, and I love this, this, this what, what, what the Pharaoh says. The Pharaoh says, I have been told that you can interpret dreams. And Joseph's response is, in Genesis 41, 16, says, I cannot do it, Joseph replied to the Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Joseph once again reveals that he understands that the problem, the problem has nothing to do with the Pharaoh. The problem has nothing to do with the, with the circumstance. There's nothing to be anxious about. I can't do it. Joseph already is telling, just being straight up, I can't interpret your dream, but God can give me the interpretation. A lot of us find ourselves in these really uh, difficult situations and we're, and, 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 or, or our friends are in these really difficult situations and we're going, well, what, what am I going to do? What are we going to do? It's not, it's not us. It's not we. It's the Lord. The Lord through us. We don't have to be nervous or afraid. And so Joseph interprets the dream, and, and, it's the, and it's the whole, you know, the seven skinny cows come up, and, and they eat the seven fat cows, and there's going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. And, but, but again, I, I want you to see that Joseph didn't go south with the situation, and, and he didn't look for a handout, but he just, I'm just going to work. I'm just going to stand firm on what I know and who I know and who's on the inside of me. And then we have Joseph one more time again raised up to the point where he's now second in command over all of Egypt. Second in command over all of Egypt. He went from being sold into slavery, put into prison, second in command over all of Egypt. Well, I'll tell you what, if, if Hollywood ever needed a storyline... If Hollywood ever needed a, a redemptive arc to make a story about, from slavery to second in command over the entire country, controlling everything, what I'm trying to get us to see is trust and hope in God to change our situation will take us to places that we never could have foreseen happening for us God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So we've got to keep that in perspective. And, and, and I'm, I'm, again, I'm going to skip a little bit because I'm not, this, isn't, this isn't in my notes, but I'm, we're going to skip to this part because Joseph had, Joseph had the thought process from the beginning. And, and, I, and I want us to read it here in Genesis 45, verse 4. And this is after now the famine has happened. He's met with his brothers They've come together, and they've been reunited, and Joseph is revealing himself to his brothers now. They, they, they didn't even recognize him. They couldn't even recognize him. And Joseph is revealing himself to his brothers here, and this is, like I said, Genesis 45, verse 4. It says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. 
And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there have been famine in the land and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping. But God has sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. You can't always see how your circumstance is going to be used by God in his plan. You cannot always see how God is going to take your situation and turn it around, not just for your good, but for the good of your family and for the people around you. God did not sell Joseph into slavery. God wasn't the one that said, hey, let's kill him. No, you know what? Let's not kill him. Let's sell him. God didn't do that. But what God did was God used that situation to save the lives of thousands and thousands of people. Whenever Joseph was given the vision of his brothers bowing down to him and his family bowing down to him, what you got to know is God didn't need all of this stuff to happen in order for him to be set up. That's just the way it went, so that's what was wrote about. Your situation that you're in, I want you to hear, and the reason why I'm bringing that up tonight is this. The situation that you're in or the situations that you've gone through, it's not like if you hadn't gone through them that God couldn't have done something else. Okay, a lot of times we, we almost glorify the, the, the trials that we go through or the tribulation that we go through because we think that, oh, that's where God's glory is. And that's not where God's glory is. God's glory is that he's good and that he, he can work anything out for your good. That's what we have to keep in, in, in mind. And that's all Joseph was just trying to say. Don't feel bad about that. But God sent me ahead to, to make sure that I would prepare a way. So tonight as I close, I've got three things that I want us to make sure that we get out of this, this story of Joseph. Okay, And the first one is this. Don't get discouraged. Trust the process. Don't get discouraged. Trust the process. And one of the verses that we've used already tonight, I'm going to use it again, but it's Philippians 1.6. God is faithful to finish the work that he started in us. You are a part of us. So God is faithful to finish the work that he started in you. Sanctification is the process of making something holy. But the word in there that's key is process. There is a process to the sanctification of our lives. Don't get discouraged when you fail. Don't get discouraged when you face a setback. Don't get into a place where, okay, now in my life I'm going to start looking for handouts instead of looking for a handhold, something for you to grab onto and climb up. Understand it's not ever going to be about your, your circumstance being, a, being the right atmosphere for you to grow in. God can grow in you no matter what the, the, the thing is around you. No matter what the environment is around you, the God in you is bigger and can grow you in that place. But we've got to understand, the cream only rises to the top because of what's in it. It's not luck and it's not coincidence. So trust the process. Trust your God to finish that work. I like this next little point. When you're called in, make the right play. 
when you get called into the game, make the right play. Just make the right play. Make the right play. Proverbs 3, verse three and four, verses 3 and 4. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, then you will find favor with God and man. You will find favor with God and man. Two things that you need in order to have favor with God and man, you need to tie love and faithfulness around your neck. Joseph proved his faithfulness. Joseph proved he was faithful because he could be trusted with one thing? No, with everything. In every situation that he was placed under, he proved faithful in that. Prove yourself faithful. You want to find favor with God, all you need to do is, is be faithful to him. Have love for him. You see, whenever Joseph is, 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 in, is at, at Potiphar's house, he had love for God, but he also had love for Potiphar. I'm not sleeping with your wife. Favor with God and with man. Whenever he was in the prison, he had love and he had faithfulness. He was faithful to the warden and he had love for those men that he saw that their faces were downcast and he said, why are you sad? He had enough love to want to try to figure out, is this something I can be a help in? Just make the right play. Do the right thing. It requires love and it requires faithfulness. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In everything that you do, in everything that you do, whether in word or in deed, Joseph's response, why would I do such a wicked and evil thing and sin against God? Joseph understood everything that I do is into the service of the Lord. And if we live our lives that way, where everything that we do is under the service of the Lord, we're going to have favor with God. And then the last thing that I want to share, last point, is have vision for what's ahead. Have vision for what's ahead. Joseph said to his brothers, I came, God sent me here so that I could provide and save the lives of thousands of people that were in famine. It goes on to say, in, in, at the very end of, of, the book of, of Joseph's story here in, in Genesis, it says that he prophesied that their people would be held in bondage in Egypt. But he said, don't fear, for the Lord your God will deliver you and take you to the land of our forefathers. Whenever Joseph is, is on his deathbed, Uh, This is in Genesis 50, verse 24. It says, "Then Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of the hands, or out of this land, to the land he promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and say, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up from this place. It says, so Joseph died at the age of 110, and after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. Joseph understood and already saw that they were going to have to be, that there was something that was getting ready to change. And we read in Exodus 1, it says, Now Joseph and his brothers and all that generation died, but the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, 
came to power in Egypt. We have to understand that without vision, the people perish, and that we're only ever one generation away. We're only ever one generation away from going from the blessings of God to being in bondage. We're only ever one generation away. And this new king to whom Joseph meant nothing said, we're going to have to do something about these Israelites. So let's put them in bondage or else they'll overtake the whole place. Have vision for what's ahead. Have vision for the plans that God has for you that's ahead. Without them, what will happen is the enemy will come in and he'll try to steal, kill, and destroy everything in what God had done. That's why we have to be so vigilant in our voting. That's why we have to be vigilant in what we're doing. Because we're only ever one generation away. A new king comes in. I get it, we don't have a king. But one king comes in whom the things of God mean nothing. And if we as a generation of people get to a place where church becomes optional to our children, it will become unnecessary. If the things of God ever become optional for us, to our children, they'll just become unnecessary. I don't need that to get by. I don't need that to get by. Got to have vision for what's ahead. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.